0: You know, of course, if I could see a prema driver win or an Alpine driver win, those, those would be my first first picks, I suppose.
1: You're not an F1 driver yet, but you've got the F1 political answers down to a T. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the F1 Feeder Series podcast, your guide to keeping up to date on everything in the junior single-seater world. I'm your host, Jim Kimberley, and the season hasn't even started, yet we've already peaked with Feeder Series guests. In the Feeder Series world, you cannot get higher than the Formula 2 champion, and that is exactly who is joining us this week. Ladies and gentlemen, it's only bloody Oscar Piastri. Welcome to the podcast, Oscar, how are you doing today?
0: Yeah, thank you very much for having me guys. I am doing great, thank you.
1: Uh, And how's your preparation for making it four titles in a row by becoming the 2022 champion of sitting on the couch? Or have you had some phone calls from Gunter Steiner to disrupt those plans?
0: Um, My couch sitting plans are are looking good. I have a very comfy couch here next to me. Um, uh, But yeah, obviously a lot going on in the F1 world at the moment, so um, yeah, I guess. It's showing its its true craziness at the moment, still. So, uh, yeah, we we'll, we will see.
1: <laughs> Lots of plans to. Uh, well, we'll see. Maybe you're the champion of something else, hopefully. But we'll we'll talk about that later. And as ever, I'm also joined by F1 Feeder Series founder Floris Visman. Floris, we've somehow snagged the best we can get. How do you feel about the podcast only going downhill from this point before the season's even started?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a tough moment. I'm actually crying from the inside and it's not only because of the the cracked rib I got from karting yesterday. So <laughs> it's double sour for me.
1: Well, at least Oscar can do some sort of work by teaching you how to not crash in karting. And Tyler, welcome back to the podcast. It was all Formula Regional Asia and all the stuff in the Middle East last time you were on. Not so now, Preseason testing finally underway. How good was it to see the F2 cars back in action?
3: I mean, everything moves so quickly, you know, when you're covering motorsport, it just moves from one series to the next, especially when you're covering winter series. But it's, it's lovely to see Formula 2 cars back on track. Bahrain, you know, we know how, how quick the cars are around there. So it's, it, yeah, it's, it was good to see everyone get back up to speed, even though there was a small sandstorm getting in the way. But yeah, we'll, we'll probably talk about that a bit. But yeah. Um, and I think the last time I saw Oscar was in Abu Dhabi. So he wasn't even champion yet. So yeah, it moves very quickly.
1: It does indeed. The the bitter taste of the off-season kind of feels like it's going away with all the things ramping up at the moment. So as you said, Tyler, we've had Formula 2 and Formula 3 back on track doing pre-season testing in Bahrain, and we're going to delve into that. And as you may expect, we've got one or two questions from the mountain sent in by all of you once you heard that Oscar was joining us that we're going to have to ask you. But first, a quick reminder to like comment and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and if you're old school and listening to the audio-only version, please leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're using as Oscar joining us proves it really does help us out. So, there's only one place unfortunately, Oscar, to start. A Hash seat becomes available unexpectedly. How many phone calls and emails were sent by your team over the weekend trying to get you into that seat?
0: Um, I, I have no idea. I'm... Yeah. I mean, even if I did know, which I don't, honestly, I wouldn't be able to tell you anyway. So who knows? Obviously the season is uh, very close. Um, And, you know, the next test for F1 is at the end of this week. Um, So yeah, obviously Pietro's doing the test Um, and yeah, you know, I I think that that says quite a lot, I would say, Um, but yeah, so it's been a, a busy time. Has it been so busy for you this season compared to others
1: without having to jump in a car or has this been quite not welcome obviously it's not welcome but quite a welcome break in some regards?
0: Uh, it's, it's I would say it's still been busy it's just been busy in a very different uh, kind of regard I guess there's been a, a lot more organization um, and you know firstly getting to know a, a new team um, because you know a lot of the, the traveling and, and organizational stuff for the last, well for my whole career and especially for the last two years has been with, with you know the teams I've been racing with, So Prema for the last two years. So it's you know a change of people for this year, so getting to know everybody at Alpine. Um, and there's a lot of people to get to know at, at any F1 team. Um, so you know that side of things has been quite busy. I did a test day in Paul Ricard uh when was that a few weeks ago now um in in the RF 18 so I've, I've already done a little bit of driving this year um so it's been busy from i guess uh, uh, an organizational point of view and, and just you know organizing what my year is going to look like but um yeah i guess kind of unfortunately the nature of this year there's there's not much uh sort of preparation towards uh well, there is preparation towards race weekends in case I'm needed, but um, obviously it's it's you know quite a, a backseat until I'm until I'm potentially called up. So it's it's still busy, but um, yeah, quite a, a different style of busy.
1: We spoke Tyler that F two testing returned. What were your big takeaways?
3: Well, I thought that. Not to not to go too hard on on start making predictions about who's going to win the title because I mean it's testing and it's such a specific track as well because you know Bahrain is mainly straights. But Carlin are looking seriously competitive. I think they had a very um, a very strong season last year, and but not many people noticed them too much because I feel that Tictum and have put themselves in positions to win a lot of points or get themselves in podiums, but not necessarily always uh, making sure that they maximise weekends. So even though I'm sure that Oscar probably ended up battling Tictum and Derivola a lot more than maybe most drivers, I feel that they didn't maybe get the most out of their car and the most points that they could have. This year, you know, they got a new lineup. you know, they got Sargent, they got Lawson, you know, it's going to be really interesting with them. Um, and they look really quick over the course of the entirety of, of testing. And I hope for their sake that they are as strong as they look, because they're such a big team and they have sort of struggled the last few years. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to see them go back to the top. Um, but the one thing to keep in mind about them is that they are usually quick around Bahrain. So I think once you get to the test, the mid-season testing in Barcelona, that's when you truly get to see them. But they're, you know, they're, they're a strong team to watch. I think Deruvala, I think he probably is maybe odds-on favourite at the moment in terms of to win the title solely based on the fact that he's experienced and he's in the Prima winning machine that Oscar knows so, so well about. Um, so if they can keep that level as high as they are, in both F3 and F2, I think that Derrida's got a massive chance. Um, and yeah, apart from that, um, you know, Fittipaldi's back after his injury in Jeddah last, uh, last season, so that's nice to see him back. Um, and then finally, um, finally, in terms of the laps, um, it was uh Frederick Vesti Fr- uh, who put the most amount of laps in, uh, and he's a driver who needs to have a big season, you know, he's still a Mercedes junior. Uh, but he is a rookie now in Formula Two. So there's a few, there's a few drivers that have come into this season. There's sort of the transition year. A lot of the drivers that have been there for two or three years, like Wan Yu Zhou, like Dan Ticton, have sort of moved out now. So you've got a new breed of drivers coming in. So it'll be, it'll be very, very exciting, but it's going to be really difficult to call, I, I feel.
1: Yeah, it feels like a bit of a changing of the guard with so many rookies coming in. And you don't really expect a rookie to go in and win in their debut season. Only the best of the best do that, eh, Oscar? Um mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Floris, where do you rank Oscar? You have been doing F1 feeder series for some time and you're very, very aware of the quality of drivers. How do you rank Oscar as one of the the ones from the feeder series world of the last few years?
2: Yeah, you know, I've been doing this for for uh, three years. I started it in uh, 2019, so um, I think that's all three uh, uh, Oscars championship years. Um, but what's the, the, the thing that stood out to me, um, is probably that, uh, he won, sorry that I'm talking about you while you're here, but, um, th- that you won, uh, two championships as a rookie. And that's, uh, n- what not a lot of drivers do. Like, I think only, maybe only uh, George Russell and, and Charles Leclerc, uh, won F2, F2 and F3, um, in a row as a rookie. So that's uh, something that stands out. Um, because F2 and F3 every, every year it doesn't matter uh, what you do you start over so when you win F3 that's all that's all nice uh, but then you go to F2 it's a different car different downforce etc so when you adapt that quick like i don't i think it didn't even take oscar uh, like like one round you know it was straight on the pace so that's a very important part uh, i think um, and also, which uh, something I heard uh, Alex Jakes uh, say um, uh, is, is that he has a very measured approach uh, in his driving and his, his, his preparation, um, which also culminates in um, like be, being very, very, uh, like more like a silent assassin, like a very very consistent. Uh, And that's a, that's a quality. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all cool uh, when you excel and and win a race, but uh, if the next race you, you have NF, you, so you probably won't be champion. So uh, that consistency also is very important. And that's, you know, that's why I have very, you know, very high hopes for, for his F1 future. Um, And I actually, I I have no doubt, you know, Every time it's going to be new, every time you move up, it's going to be new, but uh, no doubt uh, he will do well.
1: Not so silent assassin uh, in Abu Dhabi, though, Oscar, winning the title, then going straight into a bit of a a crazy overtaking fest. What happened there? You were so serene all through the year. You get the title in the bag and then start. Were you just letting loose at last?
0: Uh, It it wasn't letting loose on purpose, put it that way. I, yeah, I mean, I had another good start in in race two, I would say, Um, and then, yeah, tried to to pass Liam into turn, whatever it's called now, turn five, I think, Uh, and yeah, I think that corner, especially when you're overtaking it, really sucks you in, because it's so wide on entry now that, uh, yeah, I guess I just uh, overestimated how much grip I would have, and how much speed I was carrying, and uh yeah made a bit of a mess of that and um and then yeah the incident with with uh, yuri and, and nasani um yeah to be honest i was 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 focusing on on yuri and i thought i was just racing yuri and um you know roy you know came in pretty fast and pretty late but um you know he made the corner and so you know i put my my hands up for that one and uh, uh you know it was very good timing for all of that to happen. But um yeah, I, I think it all kind of stemmed from from that first uh that turn five incident with Liam. You know, I lost a a whole heap of momentum down that massive straight. And you know, I think I got to the end of that straight in already eleventh or twelfth. So um yeah, was just the, a moment, you know, I knew that I could risk it obviously because there was nothing left to left to lose. Um, but um yeah, wasn't wasn't my finest moment, put it that way.
3: I remember after the first rim race when he won uh, the championship, I remember thinking in the press conference, what shall I ask you? Because I was thinking, is this the last chance I'm going to get to speak to you as an F2 driver? And I thought, I know how F2 drivers are. Because I remember when Nick DeVries won the title, he had an entire round in Abu Dhabi. And he just, I don't think he, I think he got, a, he got a points finish in every race before then. And then he DNF'd all those races. And I was just thinking, I know Oscar, Oscar's been like really calculated all season. There's no way he's going to still be like really serious about it. He's just going to try and go for it. So I remember, I remember thinking, I've got to ask you serious questions, but I was just thinking, do you, once you won it, was it like, oh, okay, just do what you, not do what you want, but you know, like just have fun in a different way.
0: Um, a, a little bit. I mean, it was a very different approach for that sprint race, I guess, and I think with the format the way it was last year, that was kind of just the way it uh, it kind of worked out in every weekend regardless. So I guess qualifying at the front every weekend, you know, usually race, that usually meant for me sprint race one was quite literally just a matter of finishing in the top 10 so that, you know, you can bank the points for sprint race two. But since I already had 15 points from, I uh, don't no, 15 points, 10 points from, finishing third in race one. And I knew that, you know, if I, uh, you know, basically that I could kind of do what I wanted in sprint race two, And, you know, it wasn't going to affect my starting position for the feature race. So that regardless of the championship and stuff, that was, I guess, kind of always a bit of a strategy throughout the year um, that I just never really got to use because, well, I'd say unfortunately very sarcastically I was always starting at, at the back of the top 10 for sprint race one because of qualifying so um, it was a bit of a case of you know I've already got my points in the bag and the championship in the bag so um, you know might as well try and get as many positions as I can and um, you know I wasn't trying to do anything crazy but uh, and I knew we were quick from race one but yeah it kind of just didn't work out that way and I think for the feature race, you know, uh, it was quite, I'd say quite surprising how much pressure I still put on myself to, to win that feature race. Um, like I still went into that thinking, you know, I really, really want to win this feature race, like this probably the same, if not even more than the feature races I'd won before that. Cause I was like, you know, my last race in F2, the last feature race, you know, I want to make kind of one final statement and one last win kind of thing so i actually put quite a lot of pressure on myself for for that last race to make sure i got the job done and we did so that was was great but yeah that sprint race too was um you know there wasn't really any consequences to that of course uh, minus minus a grid penalty for for the feature race which i avoided so that was good but yeah i think with that format there was kind of a, a race without consequences in in that sense so um yeah made the most of it
1: Must be difficult for you to put your hands up when you already had one hand with a trophy already there for the season. This year, quite different though. Uh, Not so much racing. you mentioned already a lot of testing instead. Likely a lot of testing. When was the last time you had a year like that?
0: Uh, Never, really. Um, You know, the the last time I had a a year without racing or without any planned racing anyway was, was before I'd started motorsport full stop so you know we're talking about 12 years ago now um so uh yeah it's it's a bit of a a weird dynamic um because you know it is a bit weird to i guess sort of have all these successful years and then just stop for a year um of course i'm still busy in the background with with other things being on the sim and you know still attending all the races um but it it's certainly a bit of a, a mindset switch to you know just doing some testing here and there, and and you know not actually doing any any racing. So it's it's a first for me really, and I'm still uh, I guess getting used to it. And um, yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, you know the the first part of the season. Uh, goes goes well for Alpine and, and, you know, we get some good results on the board and, and you know, hopefully it's enjoyable to watch if, at least if I can't drive. Floris, we know this
1: year with this new mandate from Formula One teams to have some drivers, some test drivers, test appearances in the free practice sessions. Do you know anything about, I'm going to ask Oscar this afterwards, but do you know anything about which drivers are going to be jumping in the F1 cars for these free practice sessions throughout the year? Uh no, not really.
2: You know, you have uh, there's a lot of um, uh, reserve drivers, of course, test drivers. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we'll see uh, Schwartzman uh, at Red Bull. There are a lot of candidates, uh, probably uh, Yuri or uh, or Liam. So I'm actually super excited, and I think it's a really smart move by um, uh, by Formula One, and I think. Or, or at least I hope we'll see more of those weekends. So I'll make it mandatory to do half of them. you know if it's the same for everyone, it doesn't matter. Nobody is uh, being disadvantaged by it. So I say let's you know let everybody do them like uh, 10 weekends or something. And Oscar,
1: I, was gonna, I said I was going to ask you, do you have these conversations this early in the season to say you're going to jump in it, presumably you are going to jump in the car at uh, this race, this race, or do you have a say in which rounds you'd be attend- you're attending You're them anyway? Do you have a say in which rounds you'll be racing in or driving in?
0: Um, well, I mean, it, it, it hasn't been confirmed that I'm, I'm doing these FP1s. Obviously, given, I guess, my sort of status in the LP now as reserve driver, I would like to think they would be me. Um, but... I think, you know, just thinking logically, you know, a lot of the, the teams, uh, will probably, uh, you know, firstly, for the sake of the, of the young drivers coming into the tests, it's probably going to be at a track that the young, you know, the drivers know, um, I guess for all the guys racing in, in F2, cause it is mostly going to be F2 guys, I suppose, probably, I guess, preferably not on a weekend that they're also racing. Um, or, or you could look at it as an extra practice session for them. So that could go either way. Um, but also for the teams, you know, they, firstly, their race drivers probably don't want to give up any, any practices at tracks where they feel they need the practice a lot. So, um, you know, it, I, if I was the guess, it'd probably be at a track that's, you know, tested at quite a lot throughout all categories. Um, so, you know, if I was to guess, Barcelona seems like a very good candidate, um for, for a lot of these teams um and so yeah i think that kind of makes the most logical sense for me and you know you only get is it an hour or, or 90 minutes now for again for fb1 you know regardless it's still a, a short session and not not much time to get used to it um, so yeah i think it'll probably be it at, at european tracks where you know firstly the teams don't need Quite as much data together from from the race drivers um, and where the the young drivers are comfortable driving and you know, for a lot of these guys it's going to be a first experience, I guess.
1: You've jumped in
0: the F1 car now. How much of a difference? It's a, a massive difference. Um, yeah, enormous. You know, I think even if you just look purely at the lap times, you know, you, you can kind of get a bit of a grasp of, of the difference. So. I can't remember which track it was, but I think it was I think it was during my F3 season. So 2020, they did the uh, speed comparison between F1, F2 and F3 of, of the three onboards. And I think F1, uh, F2 to F3 was about four seconds different. Uh, and then F1 was like another 12 seconds quicker than, than F2. Um, so you know, even if you just take Barcelona, that's, you know, the the magnitude of, of time difference is three times more. So... That says quite a bit, I guess, um, and you know, the, in terms of top speed, it's not a, a huge difference from F1 to F2, like Baku, we were getting up to, uh, I think it was 330 Ks an hour, um, same at Monza, which is, is the rev limiter, uh, and you know, and in F1 it's, well, from the testing I've done, it's, it's been, that's very similar top speed. Um, it's mainly just the downforce and, and the braking, yeah, which is related to the downforce, but, just the amount of downforce you've got the, the braking capability and the, the high speed performance is just, you know, a completely another world to anything I've, I've ever driven. Um, and so, yeah, I would say those are the two main areas rather than the, the power, I guess. And, you know, I think in every category you, you step up, you kind of get used to the power jump the quickest. It's just when you've got quite big, uh, philosophy changes in terms of driving and and just, Car behavior—it's that that generally takes a bit longer to get used to. I'd say, but it's yeah, a, a massive step up from from any any kind of car.
1: Now, Tyler, we expect Oscar to be stepping up. we certainly hope Oscar to be stepping up in twenty twenty three. If not in a Hass in twenty twenty two, who knows? Um, but we expect Teo Share will be stepping up in twenty twenty three. We've had a whole podcast with Josh Revel talking about our expectations for 2022 in formula two do you have any title favorites yourself
3: i mentioned that i'd say odds on at the moment de is probably slightly the favorite based on his position as being experienced and in the premier team but poor seems to be everybody's favorite seems to be the fan favorite for this year i think being the youngest winning uh, driver in f2 history helps i think um, there seems to be sort of some sort of massive fanfare about I think him as a personality as well. I think the fact that he is young. I think he there's uh, a lot of you know the younger fans share that in in enjoying to see someone that young. Um, and I think that yeah, he actually he actually does have a really good shot. I think the biggest challenge for him this year will be mental, uh, the mental challenge, because uh, Oscar mentioned it uh, a bit earlier about the, the schedule changing. Uh, it's a really really big deal this year. You know, last year if you screwed up that first sprint race, you pretty much no points in the second one. And then all that pressure is lumped on that feature race this year. If Porsche can get the qualifying right in the same vein that Piastri did towards the end of the season, then it makes life so much more easy for you, because even if you don't get points in that first sprint race, all you've got to do is just relax, take your time and, you know, do better in the feature race. And because there's no second sprint race, it's not as much pressure on that final feature race. So, It helps, I think. Even though there's more rounds, uh, the fact that there's less races every weekend will take pressure off a bit for those drivers. So yeah, qualifying is going to be massive. And I think Porsche is definitely, on a one lap basis, definitely one of the quickest in there.
1: So pesky Australian to, to start taking all the pole positions this year. So he's got a much, much better chance. We've got a whole bunch of questions that we wanted to ask, but as much as we could ask them all day, F1 Feeder Series isn't for us, it's for our audience. And we wanna make sure that you all feel involved. So we're we're gonna move on, on onto the part of the podcast where our viewers and listeners have their say with hashtag AskF1FS. And if this is your first time watching or listening, you can get involved by using the hashtag AskF1FS on Twitter, joining our Discord and using the podcast questions channel, or simply commenting on our YouTube videos and asking whatever is on your mind. I'm afraid Floris and Tyler is going to get a little bit quiet on your end, but you'll have to just sit back and relax and listen to that Australian accent answer quite a lot of these questions. But please feel free to jump in when appropriate, if you have any follow-ups yourselves, and I'm going to start now with AS19, Alex, who's asked via Twitter, Oscar, how does your weekly life look now without any racing to keep yourself occupied? You mentioned already uh, some of the simulator work going to the F1 weekends, but anything else on a week-to-week basis, not on the weekends?
0: Um, so I guess I guess because the season hasn't started yet, it's quite a regular week weekly life at the moment, I suppose. Um, so, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, I've, I I still live twenty minutes away from from uh, from Enstone, and somebody is ringing my phone.
3: Gunther Stein on the phone.
0: Um, it could be Gunter Steiner. Go and pick it up. <laughs> no I think it's someone at the intercom so it's probably Kayo who's locked himself out but that'll, that'll teach him I would like to um, point
1: out to anybody who was watching the podcast or was listening to go back and watch Kayo Collette this is Kaio Collette in F3 uh who had a little cameo crawling behind Oscar earlier in the podcast I know Tyler laughed and spotted that as well so you are living with Kayo this year again right
0: correct yes so so we live you know very close to Endstone. And uh, we've been living close to Enstone for uh, a couple of years now. And we we go to, to the factory at Alpine pretty much Monday to Friday. Um, so, you know, we normally get there at, at sort of you know, 9.30 in the morning uh, and, you know, train in the gym for the morning, have lunch, and then either do some more training or, you know, do whatever in the afternoon. Depends on the day, I guess. But so I spend... For me personally, I spend a lot of time at the factory, and you know a lot of the, especially when I was in the academy as well, um, a lot of the academy guys spend spend the time there as well. So that is hasn't really changed for me at the moment. Um, I guess once the season kicks in, you know, I, I basically will have the same schedule as, as an F1 driver, just I won't actually be driving. So uh, especially for the flyaway races, you know, I, I still need to go to the track on on thursday be there for media day and you know be be available um so that side of things will still be very very busy but in a weekly life it's yeah basically go to Enstone uh, monday to friday have my weekends off usually that involves seeing my girlfriend because as i looked at my calendar this year there's not a lot of weekends left um and yeah that's pretty much my life uh, without racing i would say Okay, well, I'd love to follow up, but we've got so many
1: questions that I want to get through as many as possible. This one comes from Harry again on Twitter, and he wants to know: Have Alpine or any other teams started talking about a possible 2023 drive yet? Uh, you should be on the year, uh, you should be on the grid this year, he says, but definitely should be next year.
0: Um, no, there, there hasn't been any talk about 2023 yet. Uh, I think it's, it's still you know, far too early to sort of have those discussions. Um, I guess once the season season starts, then, you know, we'll get a, a good idea of the, the pecking order for the year and, and, you know, who's performing and who's not performing in terms of both teams and drivers. Um, and, you know, I suppose the regular silly season is around the uh the summer break so you know i expect that you know a lot more information will will i guess kind of come to everybody uh around that time myself included so um yeah it's it's almost a little bit of a a waiting game at the moment obviously i've still got these these tests in in uh last year's car with alpine to to prove myself further Um, you know, all my simulator work with Alpine and, and, you know, just, just generally, uh, trying to improve myself still, uh, off the track. I can, you know, that there's still areas I can prove, but in terms of, uh, racing performances, I've, you know, kind of got my, my runs on the board, so to speak in terms of race results. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, a waiting game, uh, in that aspect. So no, I don't have any information about 2023.
1: I will follow up on this one though, actually. Um, We spoke last year and we spoke about this different format, which is now gone. Do you think you might have suffered from that? Because that was a conversation a lot of people had with regards to driver selection, that the way that the season progressed last year was so difficult that by the time silly season had come around, F2, you were looking strong, but you you weren't not stringed up but four feature race wins in a row. Do you think... That might have had something to do with the, the decision to not be on the grid this year. Do you think if it was more standard, you might have had more of an opportunity?
0: Um, I, I think it was probably one of a few factors. It, it, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest and say it certainly didn't help my case, I, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, that was the same for, for the whole F2 grid. Um, and... You know the, the reality is I, I knew after Silverstone which was was round four um, that my chances of getting on the F1 grid were not much higher than zero um, so that was you know quite uh, a hard moment to take so you know halfway through the season so I don't think it it helped definitely but I think another pretty big factor is obviously it's such a big regulations change for F1 this year that um you know i think understandably the teams uh, you know all of the teams wanted experience um and you know i guess there's there's also the case that it's such a new philosophy that maybe a a young driver that's not been f1 could you know it's, it's almost the perfect time for them to jump in you could look at it both ways but um yeah i, I of course you know i think the the answer is is kind of in the fact that they've changed back to to two races per weekend and more weekends. I think you know that kind of uh, answers answers the question itself. But yeah, I I don't think last year's format um, it, it certainly didn't help. I would say.
1: Yeah, I know Floris, Tyler, and myself all agree that going back to the two races weekends and the longer seasons a little bit <laughs> a little bit better than what we had last year's welcome return. Uh, We'll move on to Glickenhaus Enthusiast by Discord, who wants to know what your opinion is, and uh, I didn't ask a question, on the Prema tax. So do drivers get as big an advantage from being at Prema as people say?
0: Um, Well, no, I don't think so. But I I think, you know, obviously in F3, Prema are are very, very strong. Uh, um, But I think what a lot of people Uh, particularly people outside of Prema, I guess kind of don't really, uh, I I don't know, maybe they do think about it, but it's kind of a bit of a chicken and the egg effect. Obviously, you know, I think the first year of this new F3, um, you know, Prema's lineup was, was Schwarzman, Daravala, and Armstrong, which I would say for that year was, was the strongest lineup. And, you know, I think all three of those guys are incredibly strong drivers and, I think that's part of the, you know, I think that's part of it. I think because Prema do a good job, they attract the best drivers, which then, you know, kind of just levels everybody up uh, at the same time. So, uh, you know, I think if you look, look at F2 last year, for example, you know, I think Robert and I was a, a very strong pairing there. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I'm certainly not saying that Prema don't do a, an incredible job. They, they definitely do um and but you know that is all it's it's all down to hard work and you know again they they attract the the best drivers as well so um you know i think a lot of the drivers that have been with prema throughout the years you know okay maybe they wouldn't be be winning quite as much without prema but i think they'd still be certainly near the pointy end of the grid so um yeah i think that's that's my answer on that
1: (laughs) So are you suggesting that, that you are, Prema are choosing you rather than you're going to Prema saying look how good I am. Well,
0: I, I think for me, I, you know, and this is just the stat, like I have won, I have a championship that, that was won without Prema. And I worked. okay, Prema weren't in that championship, but, um, you know, I, I still, uh, you know, I guess this is for me personally, you know, I didn't, I don't think I won everything because of Prema. Obviously in F3, it was 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 useful, but, I think another important thing, I guess, to note is that I, I never lost to a teammate in, in junior categories. So, you know, I guess it with Prema, it, it does help. Um, but, you know, you've still got your own teammates as competition. And, and because Prema are such a good team in particular, you know, they attract the best drivers. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a tricky one. And, you know, of course, people outside of Prema are, of course, going to be, Wanting to go to Primo, I suppose, because because you know, they are, I think, the best team out there. But um, yeah, I think yeah, I don't think there's much more to say really.
1: Floris can attest to the fact that even on the background side of things, Primo are very professional. They're the one who always send the press release out like uh, press release out right after qualifying, right after the races for every championship. Floris, eh?
2: Yeah, they, they are the most professional team at every level, I think, and it's also kind of unfair to say um, that a that a like a, a champion is only a champion because he's at Prema, because like Oscar said, you you also have to beat your teammates, and normally at Prema those are very good drivers. So even if you know at the beginning of the season that Prema is the fastest team, that you're not automatically champion. It's not that easy. So. Uh, and and also an average driver won't turn into a great driver when he's driving a Prema. It's not that uh, easy, I
1: think. Uh, um, yeah, great teammates, and we'll kind of miss uh, Oscar's cameos on Robert Schwartzman's oh. TikTok. So a little bit less singing and dancing this year. <laughs> this one, I don't know who his favorite driver is. This this person's called Piastri, F two champ. What was the morning after winning the F2 Championship like? Had it sunk in by then or has it sunk in at all yet?
0: Um, yes, it, it has definitely sunk in. And to be completely honest, I think I'm already focused on on being reserve driver now. And that's kind of, I guess, in the past. Um, but the the morning after, I think because of the way the the championship was kind of playing out, it was, of course, not... Uh, guaranteed, but you know the, the points gap was was kind of opening slowly throughout. You
1: must know, though. I mean, I hear drivers say this all the time. I oh, didn't know it was going to be. like. You must know at some point. We saw it from like three rounds before.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I knew things were were going well clearly, um, and I, I was I was confident that that we could keep those results coming in. To be honest, didn't really expect five pole positions in a row, but hey ho, that was. I'll definitely take that um so the morning after well firstly I was very tired because I was yeah I mean we'd, we'd had Saudi and Abu Dhabi back to back and Saudi was well both weekends were very hot but Saudi was very hot and a very very a very physical track as well um so yeah I was was pretty knackered by the end of those two days and uh two two weeks and and then I had the F1 test on the Tuesday so I kind of had to recover a bit to, to get ready for that, um, and yeah, I think I think it had sunk in. Uh, it took it was much easier for it to sink in compared to F3, for example, because you know F3 really went down to the wire, um, and and F2, you know, I think you know I, even I could see that it was was going well, and you know I just needed to kind of keep doing what I was doing, and you know it was going to be um, relatively straightforward. I, you know, I certainly couldn't be complacent. Um, and, you know, cause that's when start stuff starts going wrong, but I knew that we, I was really confident that, that we were quick and, and could win races and get pole position. So I think that was, was good. Uh, and then, yeah, I think just the way the season was kind of unfolding, it wasn't really until after Saudi where I got quite comfortable Um because you know, the point I think that I can't remember what the points gap was now, but it was yeah, Robert basically had to win everything at that point. And I knew with the format that you know it was going to be pretty freakish if he had to pull that off. And that was bearing in mind if I scored zero points. So I think I kind of had that week after Saudi to I guess think about it a bit more. Um, but of course. I think my results proved in, in Abu Dhabi that I certainly didn't let my guard down and, and finished it strongly.
1: Did your relationship sour with Robert at all with that? Or you guys just knowing how the, the season was unfolding that it wasn't overly competitive?
0: Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't say it was sour. Of course, you know, with any any driver, you, you want to beat your teammates. And there's always that competitive nature. And we're all here to win. And we're all here fighting for our futures. So... Um, you know, of of course, uh, you know, nobody likes to lose. Um, and I certainly don't like to lose. You don't even know how to
1: lose, you've won so much.
0: <laughs> it wasn't it, it wasn't sour at all between between Robert and I. Um, you know, we worked together really well throughout the year and um, you know, I think we both came to the understanding of you know, the the easiest way to, to try and win a championship for yourself is to to help the team and make the car as good as possible as well. Um, because, you know, that kind of removes a lot of other candidates if you can make your car better than everyone else's. So I think we both kind of came to that understanding and and worked together really well last year. So, yeah, there was certainly no sour feelings with Robert.
1: Well, I chose Robert as my favourite for last year, so thanks for screwing that up, Oscar. (laughs) Um, This one comes from Into the Fernandaverse via Discord, and I'm going to actually ask this to Floris, then Tyler, and then you, Oscar. Any Australian drivers coming up the ranks that you're keeping your eyes on, Oscar? You were obviously the, the candidate to start with. Uh, Flores. Any other Australian drivers that you're aware of and keeping an eye on? Ooh, that's uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I think we
2: we got uh, there's there's a couple in the in the lower ranks. I think we have you have yeah, Marcos Flack. I think he's a good one. Um, maybe there are even more Kiwis than Australians. I don't know, but that, that's the one that comes up with me. Uh,
3: yeah. Anybody from you, Tyler? Yeah, Jack Doing? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's all right. I was I was really hoping that Flores was going to forget that one. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> it I, was, I was going to have to really reach for somebody. Yeah. Um, no, he, Flores is right in saying about New Zealand drivers. There, are, there do seem to be quite a decent amount of Kiwis at the moment. But yeah. I think that um, there seems to be a very steady stream of Australian drivers. It seems as if it's like Weber, Ricardo, Piastri. I'm sure someone will follow from you. So when you're 30, Piastri... <laughs> He'll be uh, he will be showing someone into the ranks. Um, but yeah, I think Jack Duen is, um, in my mind, I think he's probably an outsider for the title. I think this year uh-huh. he gets things right. I think the way that he conducted himself for points last year was of sort of a title, um, of the behavior of a title uh challenger. I think just how had a bit too much for him, and, and I think, um, especially within the Premier this year, I think he'll probably have a bit too much for someone like Duen again. But yeah, Duen's doing a really good driver, and um, I think that's. In terms of uh, the Australians keeping it coming, it's surprising that you've got more Australians, I think, at the moment of, of pure skill than you have, like, Brazilians, for example, which is quite surprising. But, um, yeah, there's a there's a good amount of talent coming from down under.
2: I, I totally forgot James Wharton.
3: I was about to say,
2: actually. I was ask if Oscar
1: wanted to shout out James Wharton, too. Yeah. Sorry, sorry Oscar. <laughs> no,
0: that's OK. I, I think, yeah, the first two that, that i guess came to mind is is obviously jack um you know being being in f2 now and you know i think he had a, a very strong season last year and you know i think uh, i think quite clearly much improved from from some of his previous years which was which was nice to see um so yeah i'm i'm interested to see how it goes this year in f2 obviously um, a, a big step up from f3 to f2 but um, you know virtuosi is you know certainly in in the top couple of teams i would say um so he's in a a good spot on the grid um and yeah it'll be interesting to see how he goes uh yeah james warden as well obviously uh, a newcomer to to single seaters. um I've met him met him well we, you know he used to race cars back in australia when i was still racing there um so i, I i've known him he's, he's obviously quite a lot younger than me but uh, I've known of him for a while and, and met him a few times now, um, and yeah, I think his, some of his performances in, in the UAE and F4 were were very strong. Um, you know, I think he had some up and downs, but that's you know only natural at, at the beginning of your single seater career. I, I know all too well about that. So um, yeah, I think those two are, are really the the. The, yeah the two that i can can really see uh you know i know florist mentioned marcus flack and um to be honest with you I, I don't really know much about marcus i've i've heard his name floating around a little bit but um yeah i think jack and and james are, are you know in good spots on the grid uh, have won races already and yeah so i'm interested to see how they go I think it's
1: very interesting to note that Oscar did not jump to the defence of Brazil and defending his uh, housemate right there when Tyler was <laughs> absolutely slagging the Brazilian drivers off. <laughs> well, I'll let you off and we'll go with this final question before. We've got 10 quickfire questions to round the podcast up. This is one from Dan and he wants to know who your title favourites are for F2 this year.
0: Um, that's a, a very good question. For me, I, I think I agree. Jahan is, I think, on paper um, very high up there in the list. Obviously, he's, he's, he's with Prema, and I know how good that car is. Um, and, and, you know, he's in his third year of F2, so um, got a lot of experience. Uh, I'm interested to see how, how Helga goes. He could be... Uh, you know, maybe he, he, he'll do the same as me. I don't know. Uh, um, But yeah, I think his F3 season last year was, was very, very strong. So we'll see. Um, And uh, I mean, we won't really know anybody's true pace until the first race weekend, but I think, yeah, the two premier guys, you definitely can't count them out. I think Porsche obviously, um, uh, certainly up there as well. Um, you know, I think last year he showed you know, moments of, of brilliance. Obviously, Monaco was a, a big highlight. Um, I think for him, I guess it'll be important to, to be consistent. Um, and also, you know, it, it's uh, a part of it will be how, how strong ART is, I suppose. Uh, I think Lawson as well at Carlin is, is another really strong candidate. Um, obviously, you know, Carlin, a a very strong force and, you know, I think Liam is, is a very good driver, very fast driver, obviously, uh, very skilled at, 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 uh, wheel to wheel combat and, and, you know, quite aggressive. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, obviously had a few good moments last year as well. Um, and, you know, I think again, similar to to Teo, his you know, I guess consistency is going to be their biggest thing. Um. And yeah, obviously Logan as well. Obviously a rookie for this year, um, but I know firsthand as a teammate, you know how strong he is, especially over one lap. Um, so yeah, I think they're probably my candidates. I would say obviously Doan at Virtuosi as well. I know that car is strong. I know Jack's a good driver. So I can't really pick a clear one out of those those sort of five or six. But um, I mean, you, you've got you've got Uri at High Tech again. They, they showed moments of brilliance last year as well. So there's a lot to choose from, really. Um, but, yeah, if I was going to pick one, I'd probably say on paper, Jay Han has, has a lot of things going for him. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, it's very, very tight between those sort of five or six guys.
1: Just quickly, you're actually quite excited to watch it from the sidelines this year, not to be involved, because you've raced against most of that grid. Are you. Will you find it actually thrilling to watch it without knowing that your future
0: is on the line? Uh, Probably, yeah. Like, I mean, F2 racing is always exciting. And this is quite an ironic statement. Well, maybe not ironic, but uh, an interesting one. When I was racing in F3, you know, one of the highlights of the weekend was watching in the truck the F2 races because there was always chaos and they're always exciting. And then i got to the end of the f3 season especially after i would won bearing in mind that i knew i couldn't do f3 again, even if i wanted to and kind of came to the realization that oh i'm about to join all that chaos and fun <laughs> and so you know this is is good but obviously f2 is very chaotic by its nature so i am certainly looking forward to watching f2 uh because it's always exciting um, and, and you know knowing knowing the guys on the grid and racing against them, you know, it makes it a little bit more personal, I suppose, as well. So, um, yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how the season unfolds. Is, is, is there someone,
2: uh, you mentioned, uh, your, like your favourites, is there someone you're rooting for? Maybe your, your, the, Prema, the Prema guys or...?
0: Uh, you know, I think, obviously, I spent two years with Prema. So, uh, you know, I would, would really like to see the Prema guys do well uh there's also obviously jack in in the alpine academy now and and you know fellow aussie compatriots so it'd be nice to see another aussie doing well but i'm not gonna name names i think you know those two affiliations are enough um but yeah i think yeah you know of course if i could see a premier driver win or an alpine driver win those those would be my first first picks i suppose
1: you're not an F1 driver yet, but you've got the F1 political answers down to a T. <laughs> <laughs> you've got that sorted. We're going to run out of time, but to make sure we try and get as many questions in as possible, as I mentioned, we've got 10 quick fire questions. So just short answers. If you want to elaborate a little bit, then feel free. But yeah. I've deliberately picked them to give uh, possibly one word answers. So let's start with this one from Amber and... She stresses it's a very important question. Do you have a favourite animal like otters, maybe?
0: Uh, Not really, and no, it's not otters. Um, Yeah, I don't know what my favourite animal is, but not otters.
1: Not a honey badger either.
0: No, not a honey badger, like probably, I don't know, probably something like a lion or a tiger or something. I mean, a kang- if I'm gonna be fully patriotic, then a kangaroo or a koala or an emu, but uh, yeah, I don't know, it, it's not otters though. Or a drop bear, um,
1: <laughs> or, we've a drop also, bear. or a drop bear. We've also got this one from Star. Who was your favorite driver growing up?
0: Um, good question, and- <laughs> <Not weather>. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Mark was the you know I, I started watching. I know there's a quick fire questions, but I started watching F one in like 2009 was the first season I properly watched. So when Braun came in, obviously Mark was was the only Aussie on the grid at that point. So I was kind of naturally going for him. Um, and yeah, obviously you know then joined by Daniel. So I'm obviously going to support the Aussies. But I think watching Lewis has been you know. Nothing short of spectacular and a very good role model. Obviously, Verstappen as well now. Um, and yeah, so growing up... gonna Yeah, Mark and Daniel, really, yeah. are the two.
1: This one from Aya. And you have to not tow the company line here because they're asked, which is your favourite livery on the grid this year except Alpine?
0: Ooh, except Alpine. Um... I think this is where I put in the line for legal reasons. I'm not to to <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I think the Ferrari looks nice. That um, looks really good, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice, nice try, Jim. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the Ferraris. I mean, it's just nice seeing all these different different shaped cars on the grid. To be honest, but yeah, the Ferrari looks nice. I think. I obviously think the Alpine looks nice.
1: We can, we can go with Ferrari. I agree
0: as well. I'm not the, big, I'm not the
1: biggest Ferrari fan, usually, but this livery looks absolutely mm-hmm. spectacular. So I'll let you off with that. Tay asks, does pineapple belong in a pizza? No. That's a wrong answer, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one's slightly different from favourite driver, but uh, which driver did you look up to
0: while growing up?
1: This one comes from TFDASG. Really rolls off the
0: tongue. Yeah, I think, like, I think when I was first watching, I, I supported Mark, but, uh, you know, uh, and I hope you take no offence to this, but obviously Vettel was, was winning everything at that point, won the four World Championships. Um, so I was supporting Mark, but um, you know, Vettel was, was doing most of the winning. Um, I think now that I understand more about racing, though, I would say Lewis mainly, Um, you know, I think the way he goes about things on and off the track is, you know, quite exceptional. Uh, And I think the end of of last season, you know, the way he kind of handled all of that, uh, especially immediately after the race and the the post-race interviews was nothing short of, you know, remarkable. Like I was really impressed. With, with that because I certainly wouldn't have been able to stay so calm. Um, but, yeah, I think Lewis, you know, mainly because he's been so su- successful, but I guess, you know, he's, he's put himself in the right spot at the right time. Mercedes clearly believe he's the man for the job because they keep re-signing him. Um, so, yeah, I think Lewis is probably uh, my answer.
1: This one from Jen. What's your butter to Vegemite ratio?
0: uh i don't i don't really eat vegemite that much like i don't mind vegemite i'll eat it if it's there but uh like you can't you can never have too much vegemite Uh, i mean sorry no i take that back i take that back you can it's very easy to put too much vegemite and i think especially people outside of australia that don't have any experience with it often forget how strong it is or don't understand how strong it is so you just need a a small layer of vegemite this Might answer the next question as well. Then Mads wants to know Vegemite
1: or Tim Tams? Tim Tams, uh, There was also to say just I know it's a rush, but side note they, they brought Tim Tams all the way to Jeddah to get them to Oscar, but unsuccessfully. So, unfortunately, you could have some Tim Tams brought to you. This one comes from Sam when you're playing Mario Kart, who is your go to character?
0: Uh, to be honest, I haven't played Mario Kart in ages, but uh. I can't remember who I used to pick. I think I used to play Mario Kart on the Wii when I like, way back in the day, now like at least ten, probably even more years ago. And I think it was like Cooper Trooper and Dry Bones that I used to pick. But that was only because they used to have the the best bikes available or the best cards available. So it was all it was all for performance reasons. So that was the sole reason. <laughs> as a true racing driver. So, Indeed. Yeah.
1: This one comes from both Vienna Forever and Law again. Uh, in Chasing the Dream, you had a bottle of shampoo on your bedside table. I've got to ask, why is it there instead of your shower?
0: I already had some in the shower and that was, I guess, where I just put it in. And that was that was my, my new bottle waiting to go. So, yeah,
1: Mystery solved. And this one finally from Law as well. Do you use your own GIFs when you text people privately?
0: <laughs> uh, uh, very, very, very rarely.
1: But you are aware that they're
0: there. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more than aware that they're there, yes. <laughs> uh, depend Depends on the circumstances, but especially when they first came out, yes, a little bit. And like, especially in stuff like premo group chats and stuff or stuff to do with racing people, yes. To other people outside of racing, no, because that just looks weird. <laughs> I would say. But um, I, I have used them before, yes, just not very much.
1: Yeah, so the answer to that is when you win a race, you just text one to to Robert like that, <laughs> <laughs> waving at him. Right, well, run out of time, unfortunately, and. Uh, Oscar, as always, Floris and Tyler. That's all we have time for. Thank you for everybody watching and listening. If you'd like to have your question asked on a future episode, use the hashtag, hashtag AskF1FS on Twitter. Drop any questions below if you're watching on YouTube or let us know what questions you have on your mind on our Discord. Look for the podcast questions channel. And if you are watching on YouTube, dropping a like on the video, leaving a comment, and subscribing to the channel all helps us out a lot. And if you're listening, leaving a review on the podcast platform you're listening on is greatly appreciated. Finally, check out f1feederseries.com for more feeder series insight, and follow F1 Series One, F1FS Americas, and F1FS Live on Twitter. You can find the links to all of those, plus the Twitter accounts for myself, Floris, Oscar, and Tyler, in the YouTube description or the podcast show notes. Until next time, we have been the F1 feed series podcast. Goodbye.